This is a Cincy fan talking with LP. You can catch me on Twitter. That's a Cincy fan talking. You say it like it sounds, just leave off the G. If you have ideas for the show, you can reach me at Cincy underscore fan talk at yahoo.com. If you have any suggestions for the show, make sure you leave them there. Who knows? You might find yourself as part of the show. Any feedback would be definitely appreciated. And also, make sure you hit the link tree page that's on my Twitter. Make sure you click on that. You can find all the different ways to contact me there. Enjoy the show. What's up? What's going on, sports fans, life fans, Cincinnati fans, whatever fan you happen to be? Welcome, welcome, welcome to a Cincy fan talking with LP. And of course, this is yours truly, LP. Hope everybody had an awesome weekend. Um, got to spend the weekend watching the kid graduate from Ohio State. So that was an awesome thing. It, it was so chaotic. Like there's like 12, 13,000 graduates or something like that. So it's like, a sea of people and you're kind of fighting through people to take pictures and all of that. It was crazy. Um, but she did it big congrats to her. Uh, hope her and all her friends do great things with their next chapter of their lives. So that'll be awesome. Um, I I'm here. I'm, I'm posted. Be talking about some sports, be talking about some music. That's how we're going to do it today. Um, and as always, if you have anything to add to the conversation, make sure you click on the video message link that you'll see on the Twitter feed or on any platform you happen to be on. Make sure you share out, share up. Um, who knows? You might end up on the show. We'll be talking about you um, in a positive way. Huh? Don't be scared. <laughs> it's all love around this joint. Y'all always know that. Um, so in the NFL's constant cycle of news <laughs> we have the nfl schedule coming out on thursday everybody's freaking out about who's playing when who's playing where um the nfl's dropping little tidbits like you know a game here two games there um real talk y'all i'm not about to sit down and watch a three hour rollout of a schedule where i already know every team that's going to play the other team. Like we already know. <laughs> we know the Bengals are playing eight home games and nine away games. We know who they're going to be against. Um, it would be nice to know. It would be nice to like, you know, hear if the Bengals are going to have any primetime games and how many primetime games they're going to have. That would be nice to know, but I'm not about to sit and watch NFL Network or ESPN or something like that for three hours. I mean, I just check Twitter. I just go online and find it out. But you got to admit, <laughs> the NFL has the game by the ass. Like, they really do. Every single month, you'll hear something NFL-oriented. And it's a nice little marketing scheme, for real. Think about it. We're in May. And we're talking NFL. 
it'll be the same way in June and then July and then training camps will start. And then after that, the season will pop off. Then you'll have the postseason. Then you'll have the Super Bowl. Then you'll have free agency, which rolls into the draft. And then we'll be right back here again. The NFL has figured out a way to keep themselves in the minds of the casual sports fan all year long. And I started thinking about it. And I'm like, was it always like this? And the and the quick, fast answer was no. It was not like this back in the day. I mean, honestly, a lot of us grew up as baseball fans. Baseball pretty much took the entire scope because the season was so long and you had a vested interest in your in your squad. I mean, baseball was America's game. That's how it used to be. Slowly but surely, and I think it's because baseball's kind of seen more as a sport that's not for the masses like football is. I mean, you go down south, football is an actual institution. I mean, it's it's basically God, family, and football. <laughs> and it's like that in Ohio as well. I mean, there's a lot of – I know my neighborhood pretty much shuts down when the team plays. I mean, you'll see – support everywhere for the high school squad and it's like that for the entire fall season and as i've been many different places in the united states i've noticed that it's like that everywhere now it used to be just like that in texas and alabama and georgia and florida but now it's kind of crept on up to where football is america's game and and there's really no doubt about it Basketball is an awesome sport. It's probably my favorite sport, but it doesn't have that regional slash national appeal that football does. And I think it's because of the scheduling. You have one football game a week. (laughs) What, you know, one that you actually really, really care about. Your team plays one time a week. And it's kind of it's kind of that coming together for the entire fan base no matter if you're republican democrat black white asian hispanic you're all fans of that football team and you all can kind of come together for one cause for a good three and a half hours it's it's actually the perfect brew of this is the sport now and sure baseball is like that but you got 162 games. <laughs> it's not like that life or death, quote unquote, struggle that football is. I mean, you're talking high school, 10 games. You're talking college, 13 games, maybe 14 or 15, you know, if your squad makes it to the national championship game. And then you're talking to pros, 17 games. Every game really matters a lot. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things because you don't have a lot of them so they all matter baseball 162 games basketball 82 games hockey 82 games i mean there there are a lot of games you know your squad loses in hockey or baseball or basketball you're like okay we'll get back at it that's really the reason why i kind of check out during the basketball season for long stretches <laughs> like you can't really get me to buy a regular season basketball. It, it's tough for me. But come playoffs, I'm all in. Football, 
you got to be invested from the very beginning because there's not too many places to to screw up. And I feel like that's one of the main reasons why the NFL is everything. Um, now, of course, I've spoken before about the love-hate relationship that I have with the NFL and a lot of other people have with the NFL, but you got to admit when it comes to things like this, like the schedule rollout and then the rookie OTAs and stuff like that, they find ways to keep you watching. I mean, I know people that watch the NFL Network 24-7, and I'm like, dude, what are you watching on the NFL Network right now? It's May. Like, are you watching the old football games and people talking about what's going to happen in September? Like, that's literally what's on the NFL Network right now. Nah, nah, LP. Man, they showed this one game from um four years ago. Man, it was crazy. Who was playing? I don't remember. It was a regular season game. I'm like, really? You went back to the archives, <laughs> to the NFL Network, to watch a regular season game from four years ago? Were there two teams that you cared about? Nah, I mean, it's squad. I think it was like the Eagles and the Seahawks. I'm like, Why? You you spent three hours of your life real life watching a regular season game from back in the day with none of your teams in it. Man, I'm telling you, man, it was, you know, I, I gotta get some football in. I got to. I'm like, wow, the NFL really got us like that. And you know, you got the USFL, you got sport, you got, you know, fledgling professional football franchises like that. You know, you got leagues kind of sprouting up to fill that void. But be real, there's not going to be anything like the NFL. And I really wonder if if it's going to get bigger than this. Like, are we going to start seeing teams pop up in Mexico and Germany and England? So then, you know, we can start seeing people get real riled up and upset. Because think about think about the Los Angeles Rams having to play a road game in London, England. <laughs> man, that'd be all kinds of mess. Like you got to fly over to play in London and at least six teams will have to do it. Six or seven teams per year will have to fly over there. That would be wild. But I feel like that's where we're going as a professional football nation because it, it's taking over. You know, this this NFL stuff is global right now. And you can really see the imprints of just how popular it is from the fact that I'm sitting here talking about an NFL schedule that's going to come out on Thursday where the only thing that we don't know on the schedule is when they're playing. <laughs> but think about that. We already know where and we already know who. I can literally list out every single team the Bengals are going to play this season. We just don't know. We just don't know what times they're going to play. That's that's wild. <laughs> um, and if, to take it even further, we know the schedule for next year for your favorite team, except for three teams. Like it's really set in stone for the next four or five years. I mean, the schedule shouldn't be as big as it is, but I'm going to come on here next week 
and I'm going to talk about which teams had the best schedule rollout on social media. Like, I promise you that's what's going to happen. Like, real talk. Because as it's, it's funny. It's kind of sort of news, but not really news. And that's where we are with the NFL. We're to the point where we're talking about sort of not kind of news, but it's really news. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next 10, 12 years, because now you got Amazon coming through and you're going to see games on Amazon and it's, it's big business. I need to find a way to to get to get in this whole thing. I got to find out if I can start my own. I don't know, network LPN <laughs> and, and see if I can just get one or two football games a week. I'll be rolling in it. And of course, I share it with some of y'all, just some of y'all, not all of y'all, because I don't know all y'all like that. Now, y'all can have some, too. It's cool. I, I'll break you off a little bit, you know, help you pay your pay your rent, pay your mortgage, help you knock out a couple water and light bills or something. I got you because I'm a man of the people like I'm I'm here for you. Like we're here. I got you. Just make sure you listen to LPN whenever it happens. <laughs> but um, I I saw a clip. Um, last night of Chris Paul about to like tear off into a fan because uh, allegedly the fan pushed his mother and was was getting super belligerent. And Chris Paul was about to dive off in the stands. He, he let him know. He said in these words, I, I'll see you. I'll see you later. And in 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 parlance of a fight, that's basically saying it's on when I see you. It's on site. That's basically what that meant. I mean, we, we've all heard that before. And it, it got me thinking about something I talked about before, about how entitled fans feel when they go to sporting events. And I figure I'll touch on it again because there are one or two extra points that I really didn't cover. Now, I do feel like it's in a fan's right when they get a ticket to cheer their squad on loudly to boo the other squad heartily and to yell stuff like man you suck you missed you trash boo stuff like that that's when you grow up as an athlete you expect this it's part of the home field advantage it's what makes it difficult to go into places like the horseshoe or michigan stadium the big house or places like What's another place? Uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, for Duke. The way uh, UC used to be back in the day when they really, really had it rolling. People did not want to come to Fifth Third Arena slash Shoemaker Center because it, it got loud in that joint. And they weren't saying the nicest things. I mean, I, I don't expect to go to a to go to a um, Bengals game and hear the fans go like to the um to the Steelers. Boo. I hope you miss. I hope the pass is incomplete. <laughs> like, I don't expect to hear that. I expect it to get a little, not wild, but you expect to hear some things that you wouldn't hear every day. But at the same time, your ticket just doesn't entitle you to do certain things. You, you don't get a ticket to a game and get to yell disrespectful stuff about people's moms and um, I, I hope you miss this and die and 
I wonder what your wife thinks about you when you miss shots. Like this is stuff that I've actually heard in games. And, and I'm like, wow, y'all really talk like that. I mean, as a junior high coach, I have heard parents yelling crazy stuff at, at my team. I've heard it. I mean, I've heard some wild stuff. I was coaching a game one time, and I got sixth, seventh, and eighth graders on the squad. You know, a couple of them looked, of course, like 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds. But I'm like, I can show you birth certificates. (laughs) Young man's 14. He's eighth grader in my class. Like, like he's just a big guy. What can we do? And I, I heard people yelling at him, you big and dumb. And these are grown-ups. Like, you big and dumb. You slow. And they were saying slow in, like, the derogatory way, the way which makes me extremely upset. And they're just yelling this stuff at this 14-year-old. And you, you have some people going, like, you know, if he wants to make it big, you know, if he wants to really do his thing out here, then he has to understand that's going to come with it. But should it really? Should, should that really be? what a fan does is that something that should be acceptable in our society because to be quite honest i just feel like everybody wants a name everybody wants to let people know that they were here in this life for some period of time and i feel like with the um with the advent of social media and the way it's blowing up because it's always been there let's not get it twisted it's not well, social media caused this. It's always been this way. Everybody wants to be famous. And a lot of people will do anything to be famous. There has been clout chasing in the world way before social media. This was way before TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. Trust me, like I've seen it with my own two eyes. It's just social media makes it easier for you to get those 15 minutes. And People will do whatever it takes, and it doesn't necessarily have to be positive because, as we all know, all publicity is good publicity. So you have people antagonizing other people in order to get those 15 minutes to just go viral. And I feel like this is becoming the part of being a fan, and it really, really sucks. You'll see people holding ignorant signs up, and you'll see people yelling disrespectful stuff. And they want that, they they almost want that person, you know, that that athlete to to engage with them. Um honestly, I feel like that's why so many athletes and entertainers, they just don't really use social media, especially not Twitter, because why make somebody's day and give them what they want by yelling back at them? But you gotta understand. As much as we don't want to believe that these seven foot tall basketball players and these 265 pound linebackers that can run a 4 3 40, as much as we don't want to believe it, they are human beings and everybody has a switch. Everybody does. I mean, yours truly has a switch. And my mother always said, like, I was the epitome of not messing with the quiet person. Because I got like a long, long fuse. It's super long. 
And then like once you reach the end of that fuse, it's like a, a switch flips and it's very hard for me to calm down. That's why I don't I don't even yell. <laughs> like like I don't I, I tell the kids in class, I'm like, I'm not you're not gonna hear me yell in class because I don't want to get to a point where I'm just yelling and I can't stop. Like so I'm not yelling in class. Like forget that. And a lot of these fans forget that these players have to remain cool in different points of, of time where there's a lot of pressure. So at some point that switch is going to flip and we don't know these people as much as we want to feel like we know the players that play on our teams, but well, well, he's a great guy and we really don't know these people and you don't know their triggers. So when you see somebody from the Cleveland guardians crawling up on the um, right field wall and engaging with a fan and telling them like, Hey, what, what you want to do? What you want to hit me? It's because that player switch got flipped. At some point, it's going to happen. And it's really unfair as a fan to be like, well, you got to expect this. I mean, Baker Mayfield, uh, you can think what you want to think about him. But he said something that was really on point. He was like, like, what if I came up on your job and was talking crazy to you the way you're talking crazy to me? It would be a little bit different, right? Now, what I didn't agree with Baker about was the fact that you're going to get booed. When you go in an opposing players or opposing team's arena, it's not going to be all love. They're not just going to sit quietly while you beat their team. They want to feel like they have some time, some type of effect on the outcome. So you're going to hear some stuff. You got to understand that. But as fans, we got to understand that there is a line. And nobody can be responsible for what happens to you <laughs> when you cross that line. Because it's unfair for us to expect players to just shut all of this out because they make a lot of money or because they're playing the game or because they're supposed to expect this. That's really, really unfair. They're human beings just like us. And they have certain triggers just like us. And when you're talking disrespectful about their families or their significant others or you're saying something disrespectful to them as men or women, what do you think is going to happen? Like, like real talk, what do you think is going to happen? It's not going to be good. <laughs> You'll be lucky if it's just somebody flipping you a middle finger or something like that. And it is not the best way to take care of a situation. It's not, it's not great for Draymond green to stick up middle fingers at the crowd. It's not the best solution, but it's better than the alternative. I tell you that. And witnessing on television the um, malice in the palace, witnessing that, that showed me exactly what happens when fans feel like they can do whatever they want to do. That That's like in, ingrained in my brain because the Pacers has always been my favorite squad. And we're sitting there watching the game against uh, Detroit and Stuff just went insane. And you could kind of see it coming. I mean, you can't talk to people in the way you're talking to them. And, you know, the fans, the players are supposed to have rabbit ears and, you know, ignore it all. But you can only ignore it for so long, especially if a team is losing. So if you're a fan out there, what I would strongly suggest is you simply 
treat the players the way you would want to be treated in that situation. That's what I would say. Because the players expect to be treated a certain way. They do not expect to get cheered for every single thing they do. I can tell you that. They don't expect that. They're not like, well, no, you booed me and I'm upset. No, we can't play them like they're they're these like delicate people and they can't take criticism. They've been taking criticism their whole life. It's why they got to the professional place that they are. It's the difference between criticizing an athlete, vocalizing that criticism, and then stepping over the line. Well, how are you supposed to know what the line is? Be for real. <laughs> Think about it like this. If you feel like you're about to talk about somebody's peoples, you cross the line. If you see somebody's peoples in the stands and you allegedly, of course, feel like going over there and giving them a piece of your mind about their baby boy or baby girl because they're not playing well, you cross the line. <laughs> Simple as that. It's, it's like I said before, it's, it's really wild that people go to games and act like they don't understand this because it's stuff that you learn in kindergarten and first grade do unto others <laughs> as you want done unto you. But people act like they're these really tough folks. And they're like, if I had all that money, you wouldn't see me complaining. No, they're not complaining. They want to be treated respectfully at their workplace, just like you do. And respectfully doesn't mean that you can't boo. It just means you can't talk about people's mamas. You can't spit on players. You can't throw beverages at players. Like, you can't do that. It, you cannot do that. <laughs> I don't know how many ways you can say that unless I can say it in another language. Um, I'll go to Babel or something like that and figure that out. <laughs> hey, you got LP with you. Um, this is Cincy Fan talking with LP. We'll be right back. Hi. Hi. I'm Princess and I'm Queen. This is Daddy. You have to say, and this is a Cincy fan talking with LP. And this is a Cincy fan talking with LP Daddy. Nice job. Mm hmm. What's up? What's up? What's going on? You are back. You got a Cincy fan talking with LP. And of course, this is yours truly, LP. And as you all know, I'm I'm in the house just watching wild stuff. Like I, I feel like it's, it's part of my job to watch stuff that I wouldn't normally watch so I can A, laugh at it, and B, let it make me think things that I probably wouldn't have thought if I just watch my normal fare. <laughs> so I'll usually rope the wife into watching some of these things, but sometimes she'll rope me into watching it. It's, it's kind of a weird back and forth where we're, we're strangely trying to find stuff that'll piss the other person off. <laughs> I, I feel like that's, that's where we go with it. And she won this one. She, she got us in the house watching American song contest and I'm like a geography nerd, especially like a U.S. geography nerd. Like we travel and I want to know what county I'm in. I want to know what county I'm driving through. I'm the dude that before a trip, 
I'm Googling the directions and I'm zooming in to just notice the little cities that we going through. Like I'm, I'm that guy. I'm, I'm the weirdo, which is probably why I like driving so much because I get to go through these weird places and think to myself, damn, I hope the car don't stop here because this don't look like a good place for me and mine. Like, <laughs> like I'm that dude just driving through different places. So the only thing that interested me about American Song Contest at first is the fact that I get to see like people from places that on the map, I'm like, you from there? I think some some Asian American um girl from Oklahoma won. And I'm like, and she was doing K-pop. I'm like, really? Like, this is interesting. Like, <laughs> you got an Asian American from Oklahoma doing K-pop. I'm like, you might have to sign me up for this. I'm like, this is this is interesting. And and then it just got it just got weird as the season went on and I just use it as a platform to laugh at folks. I'm like, y'all like this, America? This y'all? And then I noticed um, it, it's hosted by Snoop Dogg and Kelly Clarkson. So, um, you know, sometimes they would do songs. And Snoop gets up in front of America and, and is doing What's My Name? Like, you know, Snoop Doggy. Like, they doing that song. I remember when that song first came out, and I'm like, yeah. One, I'm like, Snoop about to get on. Because, you know, we heard his stuff from um, the Deep Cover soundtrack. And then we heard Snoop from um, from the Chronic album. And we like, Snoop about to blow up. And side note, I, I've always said this. Um, Actually, I heard it from somebody else, and I'm like, Dang, that's like the dopest thing I heard, and I kind of adapted it. So I, I gotta give I gotta find out who said that first so I can give him credit. But this was my original thought, but I just kind of like ran with it once I heard it. Um, I heard somebody say one time that Snoop Dogg, well, LeBron James is the closest equivalent to Snoop Dogg. Like they're both alike, and I'm like, tell me more. And they kind of took it back, and I'm like, oh, because. If you out there and you remember the build up before Snoop's first album, Doggy Style, you remember that the streets could not wait for Doggy Style to come out. I mean, you had heard him, you had heard Snoop on the Chronic, you heard him on the Deep Cover soundtrack. Like, I don't think the hype could have been built up as much for the Doggy Style album. Like, take your favorite artist right now. And how much you waiting for that album? Like, take, you know, somebody like Kendrick Lamar. And how much everybody been waiting for that album? Because, you know, it's it's like it's uh, fifth one, well, fourth one. And everybody's been waiting for it, you know, because it hadn't dropped one in like four or five years. You really waiting for that album. Take that excitement and double it. That's how much the streets were waiting for Snoop's album. And when you wait for something that big in your head, it's not going to live up to your expectations. Like, it's always going to fall a little short. And you're like, man, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. And then it comes out and you're like, oh, you know, this is good. It's all right. And you kind of hype it up in your head. But deep down, you know, like, it's all right. Snoop Dogg's album was better than the hype. And the hype was ridiculous. Like, it was, MTV was like, 
just hyping it. They had countdowns. Like I remember seeing the countdown for it. It was better than the hype. That never happens until LeBron James. LeBron was plastered over Sports Illustrated covers. He was on like magazines. He was everywhere. And everybody's like, you know, he's the next Michael Jordan. He's this, he's that. And in your head, you're like, we've heard so many next Michael Jordan comparisons. Like, it, it, it's ridiculous. Then they'll get drafted. Then they get into the league. And then they might be a bust. They might be okay. They might even be great. But they're not They're not a Michael Jordan. Like, so when you, when you hear it, you go like, yeah, mm-hmm, okay. We'll see. Then they come out and do their thing, and you're like, hmm. They're good, you know. LeBron James, with all of that hype, he talked about leaving leaving high school early. Like, it was wild. He ended up being better than the hype. Like, as good as you thought that he would be, he's better than that. Now we're looking like, uh, do we have another Snoop Dogg that's going to drop? Do we have another LeBron James that's going to drop? Like it's it's absolutely crazy. Like that's why that's why my little sad and I had to put that out there. So anyway, I'm watching Snoop doing what's my name, Snoop Dogg, in front of a national audience, and he's like, you know, um, I never hesitate to put a fool on his back, you know, like, and I'm like, dang, do they know what he's talking about? And then I see the background dancers and they see walking and, and Snoop see walking. And I'm like, damn, what's happening? And then Kelly Clarkson come out and she's like, Snoop, down, like singing it. And I'm like, damn, like, and it just, it just clicked. I'm like that lyric that, um, q-tip said on check the rhyme he he literally said like rap is not pop if you call it that then stop that's a that's an authentic q-tip lyric and back in the day 91 92 that was real rap was not pop rap was not popular music you know it offended the masses and you know people got on mc hammer because you know he was pop but he was a rapper and everybody's like, you can't do both of the same. You can't be pop and be a rapper. And I'm like looking at the whole scene and I wasn't offended by it. I wasn't like, man, Snoop sold out. And people would have said that, you know, 15, 15, 20 years ago, people really would have been like, man, Snoop sold out. Man, that's wow. He on commercials now. Like people used to say that back in the day. Now it's like rightfully so. This is what they should have been saying. Man, Snoop getting money out here. Look at him. He doing he doing Corona commercials and he out here hosting music shows and he out here doing it. And I'm looking like rap is pop. Think about that for a second. Like if, if you're my age, you distinctly remember a whole lot of songs and a whole lot of people wondering if rap was going to make it. They were wondering, is rap really an art form? You know, because it was born from, you know, a lot of people that looked like us and sounded like us were expressing how they felt about the places that they lived in. And some of it might have been fun. Some of it might have been violent. Some of it might have been reflective. Some might have talked about the black experience, but it was all rap, no matter how you slice it. 
you know, NWA had their thing, Too Short had his thing, Public Enemy had their thing. It was all pieces of a big puzzle. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, rap's not going to be here in 20 years. You can't make money off rap. You know, you can't be a superstar like this. And you look now and people like MC Hammer really paved the way for what we're seeing right now, which is the fact that rap is pop. <laughs> rap is popular music. And honestly, I think it always was, but I don't think the mainstream wanted to admit that because of who was doing the music and who was profiting from the music. Well, who could end up profiting from the music, I say. But it's just wild to me that we've come this far and rap is literally popular music. You have Meg Thee Stallion doing stuff with Dua Lipa. Like, <laughs> you have Ed Sheeran hopping on Fireboy DML stuff. Like, rap is really here. It's it, it's it's amazing to see like something that started off so small and it was so regional, man. Like I remember like we had CDs and tapes of like A Ball and MJG and they were from Memphis and they were doing like stuff in Cincinnati sometimes. So we had tapes and CDs and I would take this stuff up to Cleveland and I'd be like, listen to this. And they'd be like, who is this? Like, and that was just like, in the same state, but up north, like rap was really a regional thing. The South kind of had their thing. The East Coast had their thing. West had their thing. And the really big artists blew up and kind of, you know, crossed over to different parts of the nation. But those small artists, they kind of stayed in pocket. You know, the Bay Area had their thing. Houston had their thing. And everything was really regional. And now you have social media and you have everything that's so, it makes the world so much smaller. And I think that's really benefited rap music because now if you have enough hustle, you can get your name out there. And I won't say you can blow up, but you can kind of help keep pushing this rap thing a little bit you know, further from where it is right now. It's, it's just amazing to see. It, it's one of those things where it's like, this is wow. It's kind of like you watched <laughs> you watched a, a small kid that you knew when you were like 12 and they were like, I don't know, two. And you just watched them grow up and you watched them stumble and you watched them fall. You watched them do dumb shit like rap. Really, I won't say it lost its way, but it went through a dark period in the late 90s. You know, people getting killed and. You know, rap was was getting a kind of a bad name. And then you had the 2000s where it got all shiny again and it was all good. And now we're at the, like the, the form where we are now where rap is in a lot of different places. You know, you'll see people doing some kind of like, you know, positivity over here. And then you'll see random wild stuff over here. But but it's all rap. And like it or not, it's. Is popular music. So when I hear people say things like, you know, well, actually, you don't really hear it now because that sellout brand, that whole thing, that was really like a 90s thing. I don't think people understood how profitable the culture could be. I think that's the main thing. Once people started realizing how powerful this entire culture could be and that 
people that don't look like us still share certain experiences that mirror what rap is. That was really important because now it's blowing up majorly. And I think that's the one thing you got to take away from this. There are a lot of people from a lot of different stations of life that feel like rap resonates to them because they understand it. And you don't necessarily have to look like the person that's rapping it. As long as you can understand it, sometimes empathize, sometimes sympathize, but always kind of understand it. And if you can see a little bit of it in yourself, that's what makes good art, because what you're listening to is art. Um, same as jazz, same as classical, same as rock. It It's all kind of lumped together. And it's really good for me to see that rappers kind of getting that fair share. You know, it's, it's becoming part of that pie now. I remember being a kid and we would listen to rap music and, you know, people would tell us, man, this this trash. What are you listening to? You need to listen to some real music. And now people are understanding this is just as real as all of that. Same emotions, different sound. So I figured I'd put that out there. It was still wild to me to see like 15, 16 backup dancers just sea walking. Like it was just getting down with it too. Like, doo, doo, doo. I'm like, you step back at it and you kind of you kind of understand this <laughs> is it is kind of weird but at the same time it was it was really great to see like you know getting our just due and on that note we're gonna go ahead and roll out i hope everybody has a great week uh, y'all know where to catch me y'all know where i'm at every tuesday right here Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you click the little bell or the button or whatever you got to do to make sure you hear the next drop next Tuesday. And until then, you got your boy LP. And as always, life is good. Peace out. If you're not ready for the conversation to end, I'm not either. Make sure to catch me on Twitter. That's the Cincy Fan Talking. Leave off the G at the end of it, and we can keep the conversation going. Also, don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button so you can catch the next episodes. The episodes will drop every Tuesday. If there's a change in that, I'll make sure to let you know. Appreciate the support. As always, life is good. Mm-hmm.